Welcome back to the Constructionist Podcast, and in this episode, we're going to do a film review on a film that came out about 22 years ago. In 1999, if you were around then and you were in your 20s, as I was, you probably clearly remember the film The Matrix when it came out. So that film was released just before Star Wars Episode One came out, just a couple months before, if I remember correctly. And it took the uh, it took the world by storm, you could say. It certainly took us twenty somethings by storm, uh, which I'll get to here in a minute. But it was a film that kickstarted a trilogy, and now. At the end of this year, 2021, they're going to release the fourth rendition of the film. Well, not rendition. They're releasing the fourth episode, the fourth installment of the franchise, as far as the films themselves go. So why am I doing a film review on a film that came out 22 years ago? Well, the reason why is primarily because the new one is coming out. And so I want to take a moment to sort of think about the original film, what it set up, what the idea in it was, how that relates to scripture, and how it affected the thinking of a generation. And one of the reasons why I bring this up as well and got me thinking about this subject is because I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago. And uh, one of the guys on the podcast was Kevin Max, who, or formerly Kevin Smith, who had been one of the three main guys in the band DC Talk, along with Toby Mack and Michael Tate. Michael Tate's gone on with the Newsboys. Uh, Toby Mack uh, went solo and is still solo. But Kevin Smith was kind of the one that was a bit of a a wild child, I guess you could say, in the band. He sort of had his own way of doing things that was a bit different than everybody else. I remember even in the 90s listening to DC Talk, sort of thinking, oh, that guy, Kevin, he's sort of the, he's sort of the one that's a little bit out there, I guess you could say. And I'm just looking at it from a purely, I mean, far out perspective. I'd gone, I'd seen them a couple times in concerts and that, but there was always something a little bit different about him, I thought. So then a couple years ago, uh, actually, no, I think it was earlier this year or maybe last year, I was listening to him on a podcast and they brought up the, the Matrix film. So here, 20 some years later, they bring up the Matrix film and the guys that ran the podcast or the guy that ran the podcast, they all got excited about it. And he made a comment of saying, well, you can't talk about how we know things without bringing up the Matrix film. So it was. it is still something very much in the mindset of those of us who lived in that time period, if we were in our 20s in 1999, and this film came out, and we all went and saw it. Now, I, re- I read a review about the film because uh, I wanted my son to see it because he's going to university and getting into computer programming and software development and things like that. So I wanted him to see this film to kind of see what the mindset was of people in 1999 (laughs) projecting into the future. But, um, but this film, I, I read this review and it was from a Christian website and it so underrated the film and didn't address the things that we were talking about in 1999. 
about, wow, do we really live in a, in a weird world where we're being fed, you know, information from the outside? Is this really, maybe this is, this is like sin. Sin does this to people. And it, sorry about the wind blowing. I'm walking around outside. Sin is sort of creating a false world. And Neo, the main character, he's trying to break out and discover reality and this kind of thing. So that's what we were discussing back in the day, in 1999. And of course, the films carried on with sort of deconstructionist thinking of trying to demonstrate that nothing that you think you know, you know. It's all an illusion. Nothing is set in stone. Everything out there is um, somewhat fictitious, never quite, never quite concrete or solid is sort of the idea behind some of these films. And in the end, after the end of the whole trilogy series, the, uh, there sort of becomes this merging of technology and humanity. And Neo, the main character, becomes a, a sort of, I will sacrifice myself for the sake of humanity character. So he has this messiah complex built into him. And so that's sort of in a huge scope what the film was about. But it, it developed, um, the, the, scenery, the scenes in it pushed this idea that you don't really know what you know. And so it was sort of asking the questions, how do you, how do you know what's going on around you is real, is true? Do you understand how you understand or do you understand your understanding? We'll put it that way. Do, do you understand your understanding of the world around you? Is it an illusion? Is it actually real? Now, the funny thing about all this, and I say funny in sort of a sad way, the guys who directed the film, the Wachowski brothers, they did the first three films, and then in the interim between those films and the current one coming out this year, both of them change genders or technically i mean they look like they changed genders but they they became female they went through that whole process of doing that even though genetically they're male they went through the process of making their exterior try to look female is what they ended up doing so it's a strange thing that when you consider the fruit of a film we we tell our kids regularly that films are there to educate. They're, the the people who are making these films have a message that they're trying to get across. So you can't walk into any Hollywood film and and assume that they're starting from a neutral position. They're trying to make a statement about something somehow, in some way, either actively or passively. And in these Matrix films, it was, I think, pretty active. Is, is the message that they are trying to create is that we live in illusion or we live in an, an illusion world and we don't quite know what we think we know and it sort of became apparent in the lives of these brothers when they sh they decided that they that they actually weren't male they were somehow female and they wanted their external appearance to match what they thought they were doing on the inside now, notice I use words like thought. I use words like knowing, understanding. These are all things that happen in the mind. So in the Matrix films, the way that the characters shift between the, quote, real world and the, quote, fictitious world, going from the, the, 
the physical world that they know that they live in and this sort of uh, VR world is what really they're entering in, is they, they attach themselves, all, all humans are attached at the brain. So they, they're in a pod or they get into a chair and they literally have a portal in the back of their head and they get connected into the matrix. And the matrix is where billions of people think is the real world, but in reality they're in pods. Uh, you know, their, their bodies are being used as batteries to charge the computers that actually, the machines, the, the robots that actually run the world. The technology that runs the world. Because artificial intelligence uh, evolved to a point where, it, where there was a war between artificial intelligence and humans. And humans effectively lost the war and now they're the underdogs. So that's, that was all set up in the first Matrix film. And became the premise for the freeing of the human race. Which is why Neo in the end had to sacrifice himself and die for the salvation of, of the human race. So, but they connect into the brain. So everything happens in your head. So even though you're laying in this pod with your eyes closed, surrounded by this nice, warm, nutrient goo, and your body is being looked after by the computer, in your mind, you're living the life of an extreme skateboarder sports person, or you're a homeless guy on the street, or you're uh, a little kid in, in fifth grade learning his times tables, or whatever it is. The computer is basically creating your life for you, and, and you are making decisions based on that. Now, there's a moment in the film where Neo sees a cat go by a doorway, and then the cat goes by the doorway again, and he says, oh, deja vu. Now, we kind of all know that deja vu isn't that sort of sudden repetitious thing, but they, they wrote that into the idea of the film to say, oh, the program's just been changed. And what they discovered was that the building they're in had all been blocked off and all the doors and windows were now bricks and they couldn't actually get out of this building. They were trapped in there because the bad guys were coming to get them. So, so they put things like that in there to stimulate your thinking today and now to say, oh, is, is deja vu really something weird that we need to think about? And so it, it's playing with our minds to make us question everything. Now, there's nothing wrong with questioning everything as long as you're seeking the truth. God says, uh, Paul wrote, test all things, hold fast. Sorry, hold fast to that, which is good. God says in Isaiah chapter 1, come, let us reason together. And then he says, though your sins are as scarlet, they can be white as snow. So God wants to reason with the human race on this idea of sin. Now, Oswald Chambers is very good about stating that, yes, we do live in a false world. The world we live in is consumed by sin. Humans are sinful creatures effectively from birth, and it doesn't take any parent any time at all to realize that their child has a will of their own and they will do their own thing, and we need to bend and mold and shape that will into one that will be a productive member of society and ultimately glorify God. So humans are like that. That's just the, that's just the way they are. Now, people, psychologists come with different presuppositions saying, no, everybody is innately good. It's just our environment that makes us bad or whatever. But the Bible says, no, 
all humans have sin in them. The heart is wicked and deceitful. You cannot trust it. So therefore, we need something from the outside to come in and transform us. And that thing from the outside is the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes in. He transforms us. His spirit now empowers us to live a life of holiness and righteousness. And that is a good thing. So in the Matrix films, it was all about, no, you, f- you, you fight against the world that you live in because none of it's real. And so we have to fight against it and we have to break free from it. And then there's a reality that we can live in. But the sad thing is, is the reality is actually quite dire. The real world isn't slick and glamorous and amazing like the Matrix world is. And so you actually, in the, when you're watching the films, you sort of want them to be in the Matrix because that's where everything is cool and exciting and hip and fun. Whereas when they come into the, quote, real world, they're all kind of drab and everything else in the original first film. So, so it's, it's a bit of a strange thing. But because the brothers, uh, they, they lived out their philosophy of denying who they were born to be and going down a different road and trying to change their entire makeup into a different gender, they're sort of living out, in one sense, the, 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 the struggle and the frustration of the film. So because the film is seeking to ask these questions and challenge our thinking on, do we understand our understanding? Do we really know what we know? We can go to the Bible and look at something like, oh, I don't know, Psalm chapter, sorry, not Psalm, Proverbs chapter one. What's Proverbs chapter one about? It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear an increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in the Proverbs, it's all about having the right understanding, having the right mind in order to live out the right life. That's what Proverbs is about. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If we recognize that God has put us here and we are content with who we are because we recognize that God is the beginning. In the beginning, God, he put us where we are. We need to now look at the word of God, look at the world around us and look up to him and say, how can I best reflect who you are in this world? And because God is the authority and God is the loving father and God is all wise and God is able to speak to us and bring a peace and a a contentment to our mind and our soul. God is able to do these things if we allow him to. And so if we completely push God out of the picture and if we fight with ourselves and our inner turmoil and the world around us and all the contradictory things that are happening forever 
around us because everyone has a voice and everyone wants to say what they think is right and true and it becomes this amalgamated mess in our minds and then we have to now say oh no i my i want this and, I, and people get addicted to drugs and they go off into sexual immorality and they live in confusion and then they have fear of death and not you know what they worry constantly there's anxiety issues all the time people get depressed and suicidal because they choose or maybe i mean i okay they do choose because they actively are going they're making these decisions but they lack knowledge and understanding of God who created them in the first place and is able to provide an environment, is able to provide um, a refuge for them. God is our refuge. Now, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, go to the very end of it, and Paul makes this marvelous statement here where he says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul's talking about a kind of humility here. If we recognize that we are weak in this world and that we can't actually make any firm and definitive decisions on our own, that our knowing is dependent on knowing who God is, and then we'll know the world around us, then God is able to step into that because of a humility that we have. And then it says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. So if we come to Christ Jesus, it says, no man can come to God unless the Father draws him. Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. God is the one who is tugging on you and encouraging you and prompting you to come to the Lord Jesus. Once you are in Christ, he is the one who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So when we get all high and mighty on ourselves and claim that we that we have, you know, I mean, it's almost a, 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 a stamp of pride now to, to live in doubt. We've turned something like doubt into something that uh, sounds intellectual, but it's not. Having no surety about things is actually bad. I mean, I've said lots of times, I'm an electrician. I have to function. I have to work according to the, to the physical laws of electricity. If I don't, I die. And that's really what it comes down to. Or someone else will die. If I do something wrong, there are certain things that are absolutely rock solid in what I do for a living. I recognize that I have to do certain things in order to keep people around me safe and out of harm's way. That is true in the world of ethics and morality as well. There are things that we have to do in our own mind and in our own soul to keep us safe and to keep the people around us safe. Otherwise, uh, destruction is in our wake everywhere we go. And it's a bad way to live life. So the laws of the physical world actually are a foundation and teach us about the laws of ethics and morality. And if we ignore the, 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 the laws of ethics and morality, then we perish. And that's basically what's happening in the world around us today. That's what's happening in Europe and America and a lot of these Western worlds where there's plenty of money and everybody is li basically living an affluent lifestyle and it's causing a degradation and a deterioration of society and of humans.
But we can be in Christ, who is our wisdom from God. So Proverbs, wisdom is the main thing about when you have wisdom, you are able to live your life rightly. And that wisdom is based on correct knowledge, correct understanding, and then correct living it out is that wisdom. And so the scriptures give us exactly what we need to know in order for this to happen. The Matrix film and the series that follows it throws everything in doubt. So don't base your life on that. We all sat around in our 20s saying, oh, let's all be philosophers and question everything. Well, God says, come, let us reason together. Your sins are scarlet, but they can be white as snow if you come to me and let the work of the Lord Jesus and the work of the Spirit empower you and sanctify you and cleanse you and purify you and bring to you contentment. But you have to lay everything down and you have to let me do the work inside of you. Then you strive to know me for the rest of your life and I will fill you with that joy and life abundant. That's what we're after. So I'm not saying don't watch the films when the film comes out this year. You know, go if you if you choose to go see it, see it with a highly critical mind. Compare it exactly to what the scripture says. Ignore the film. Don't let it's don't let it become an authority in your life. Let the Lord Jesus only be an authority in your life and the word of God and you will be blessed.